Hello, and welcome to The Windwire, where industry leaders share the stories of transformative deals that shape their companies and careers. I'm Michael Katz, and we hope these stories will empower you and your teams with inspiration and insights for success, no matter where you are on your journey. Let's get started. John Ernsberger is the co-founder and chief revenue officer of Jump, an operating system for live events that sets a new standard for fan experience. Jump is a super exciting new company helping teams and venues bring more fans in and get them closer to the action. And it's funded by folks like Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. But John already has a storied journey in entrepreneurship and has both the battle scars and achievements to prove it. In 2008, he and his co-founder, Jordy Leeser, founded Stella Metrics and ultimately pivoted to found Stella Connect in 2015, where John was SVP of sales and client services. Medallia acquired Stella Connect for $100 million in September 2020. And after the acquisition, John served as head of customer success for Medallia's commercial segment. Now, before we get right into the deal, it's helpful to rewind for a second and talk about how John and his team had gotten to that point, which took sleepless nights, multiple pivots, and businesses within the business. This is John. I graduated college in 2006, worked for a couple of years in financial services, and just wasn't super passionate about it. Wanted to break away and do my own thing like uh, a lot of us aspired to do. And yeah, just kind of synced up with an old college buddy, Jordy Leeser, who I met freshman year. We were close friends and had a few ideas. Uh, One that uh, was the reason why I quit and I kind of gave that pitch to my boss of like, what what are you doing? You're quitting your job? And like after a couple of years to start this this was in 2008, August 11, 2008. I'll never forget the, the date that I left. Uh, and we, honestly, we, we floundered around for, for two solid, like a year and a half, two years, um, a few different ideas. We put some money together. We lived in Jordy's dad's basement for six months. We moved back to New York. We uh, had a year-long lease that we basically left in the middle of the night. Uh, and uh, we actually moved out to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, where we went to school in kind of the middle of nowhere PA uh, and worked on what eventually became Stella met a guy who was really influential in our business, Mark Laurie, uh, who folks might know, founded diapers.com, sold to Amazon, started jet.com, sold that to Walmart, and he's a recurring theme in my career. But the first version of Stella was nowhere near where it ended up. John and Jordy ended up starting a business doing mystery shopping for large brands. But after building to a $7 million run rate, and raising $30 million for a pretty labor-intensive business, they needed to do a tough round of layoffs and pivot the business. The second you're in you know, B2B and you're realizing that people aren't renewing with kind of the, uh, the passion that you want them to be, and it just becomes arduous. Uh, we were young, but we had enough sense to know that that wasn't uh, sustainable. So in their desire to find an idea that would scale and create more customer value, John and Jordy decided to start the first real iteration of Stella Connect, pursuing an idea that they'd come up with around tipping for customer support agents. We called it Tip Jar. Um, But the concept was, what if you gave the caller, the customer service person who's calling into walmart.com, what if you gave them the ability to reward the agent that they were talking to with a dollar or two dollars at the end of that interaction? How would that change the dynamic of the service that they were providing? Uh, And what if you could subsidize how you pay those people? 
It was just a cool thing we geeked out about. So in late 2015, they started testing this tipping idea with a few companies, including Jet.com, where their advisor, Mark Laurie, was CEO. And through working with brands like Jet, they ultimately realized the real opportunity was in changing the way that support agents were evaluated and incentivized. And granted, there was a lot of issues with it that we, we ended up having to go away from like the true tipping um, concept, although that always lingered around as, as like our core story, um, which people were just always loved. Uh, and in many cases, those people are kind of forgotten or low on the food chain. And uh, they are really meaningful for the businesses that really want to provide a great experience and be long-lasting, sustainable. But another brand they began to work with was Williams Sonoma. And when I asked John to come on the Windwire and talk about the deal that changed his career, this was the one that stood out to him. And Williams Sonoma also started using the tipping concept. And that's where John's story with Williams Sonoma starts. I'll never forget the woman, Judith, who we, the, the idea was after you had a call with Judith, you'd get an email with her picture and personalized it. And it said, give her a high five or give her a dollar, $3 or $5, something like that. And it linked to PayPal or you could enter in your credit card information. We ran it for a month and extrapolated out over, over a year. It would have been like a twelve to fifteen thousand dollar bump in salary for her, which is just incredible. Like thinking about um, that industry and kind of the median uh, base pay, it was like a significant increase. Uh, but despite getting great engagement, they knew they had to shift away from tipping, so they decided to take a risk and use their external relationship equity to test the new version of Stella Connect focused on changing the way support agents were evaluated and incentivized, not only externally, but internally too. So we tested it. Uh, they liked it. We were like, oh shit, this is, this is getting really great responses. Craig Barnes, who's the SVP of customer care and uh, their operations over there was kind of our, our point person. Uh, and he was like, John, like this is, and Chris are our head of accounts. Um, it's like, this is really, this is really something. Uh, do you think this can scale? We have tens of thousands of agents across, not only here in California um, and in Vegas, but uh, across the world. Um, do you think this can scale? And so went back to New York. I was like, oh shit, can this scale? <laughs> like, can this actually handle the amount of people that are going to be logging in and looking at this every day? So they decided to tear the product down to the studs and rebuilt it to launch at scale to Williams Sonoma. And it took off at the highest levels. It was very cool. Uh, CEO caught the CEO, Laura Albers, Radar is still the CEO there. Uh, and we started to ride the Williams Sonoma wave too, which if you look at their stock price, you know, they were definitely a company that benefited from COVID and people focusing on their homes. And we didn't charge them anything in year one because we just wanted them to use the shit out of it um, and fall in love with it. And it was definitely one of these products that once teams started to use it, the whole organization started to love it. We got them hooked on the drug and uh, and then they, they, they couldn't exist without it. Uh, and so that was, yeah, that was, that was really, that was a tricky kind of transition and so I think it went from like zero in year one to I think it was like 50, 60,000 in, in year two uh, for a contract that 
should have been three fifty, four hundred thousand dollars, something like that. If you were looking at our investor pitch and saying, like, all right, here's it's twenty dollars a month per agent, that whole routine. And it's like, hold on, like Williamson was only paying you sixty thousand dollars. Like, what the hell's going on? Um, so you're always gonna have that as a as a startup. You have to have those customers wanting to like in your pocket. And the exchange was case studies and being able to speak publicly about the work that we were doing is so, so valuable. Uh, and again, going back to the relationships and and uh, just goodwill that we built with Craig and Vicky, who's Craig's boss, is EVP, and then up to Laura. Like they knew Stella um, early, early on because we were kind of the good, the good startup folk that were were charging them a lot as they were. Uh, as they were scaling themselves. But when we then wanted to go from 70 to the 400, it's like, okay, hardball time. Craig kind of becomes, I hope Craig listens to this because we laugh about it now, but it's like, you know, Craig kind of becomes the, he doesn't respond to our emails as quickly. And like, now we're asking for, we're out over ahead of our skis a little bit. It's like, all right, you've had, you kind of been on the gravy train. We've got other customers now. We're, we're adults uh, and the product is working. Product is working. That was, that was undeniable. Uh, I'll never forget the, I, I was with Jordy actually and Chris, again, our head of accounts came in. He's like, he's like, John, Jordan, like we got to talk. Cause up, it was renewal time. Craig's saying, you know, they can go elsewhere, like Qualtrics or other survey companies and other, which kind of had a, a different angle, but like in the same, same space. And so we were always a little nervous about that. Uh, it's like, okay, well, he's, he's saying he doesn't need this. Uh, and it's like, all right, let's pump the brakes. Let's like, let's double down on the relationships. Let's really, let's go out there. Let's talk to them. Let's figure it out what they want. Let's get Vicky involved. Like, just being, uh, just being, I think this is what I always appreciate about the B2B space is that it's always pretty rational. Like at the end of the day, rational kind of business sense and a strong ROI case, like usually wins the day. And if you're not a jerk and you're truly out there trying to do good in the world and, and nice people, like you will, you will get it back. And so. Yeah, they came back to the table. Of course, it wasn't. It didn't end up at four hundred thousand, but like we worked it, we worked it down, and everybody was happy with it. But it didn't stop. We ended up growing it to seven figures, and that's kind of whole chapter. Yeah, suddenly, you stop going from best friends, texting relationship. We're just hanging out. To you know, everyone needs to kind of burrow into their holes for a little bit and huddle with the team and try to play a little bit hardball. At least make it perceive that they're not going to buy again. Right. I mean, I think price discipline is something that's hard in general, no matter what size you are, whether you're a rep or a founder, Definitely. is there anything that you looking back either did well or would do differently right in that kind of scenario again, that you think other folks could, could probably benefit from? Yeah. Just clear expectation setting with Craig. That was one thing I remember doing really well because we, we were, we were at this point kind of seven, eight years into our startup journey. So we had cut our teeth and uh, fallen a lot. And so I remember with Craig, when we, when we did the for free pricing on connect early, uh, just setting expectation, like here's where we believe the price is, here's why. And we, 
want to be transparent. Like we want to get you guys to somewhere closer to that, to tell our story and to, um, and to grow our business. Our growth is means more resources to make this product that we all love uh, better. And so you can't hate on that. You can't hate on that. And then it just gives you an opportunity to, to have that conversation down the road. But it's just, it's so hard because you're fighting that imposter syndrome. Like so much of startup, especially on the go-to-market side, is just like validation seeking. And uh, I felt that in a really big way. Uh, and it caused a lot of anxiety in kind of my, my life um, because you're just trying to be somebody you're not. You're trying to tell a story about the future um, which is the future. It's not here. And so you haven't built it yet. It's not the empire that you have in your head yet. But saying it out loud to people uh, puts a line in the sand and then allows you to come back to it later on, which was really helpful. Are there any kind of really memorable moments along the way, either internally as you huddled as a team and discussed what you were doing or even externally with folks like Craig before you might have frozen up in a meeting or a negotiation point, any kind of specific memories there? Yeah. Well, I should mention that we, we expanded. So, so we, we essentially expanded the product to all their customer service teams who were on the phones and emails. We also expanded the product into retail stores. So if you went into a Pottery Barn or Wave Sonoma, any of their brands, and you checked out and they had your information on record, they would send you a survey afterwards and collect data that way. Um, and then we started to introduce other products, this product called QA, uh, which allowed managers to provide feedback uh, to the team. So those were just kind of like expand the full population. Then we looked to another area of the business. We expanded to that full kind of population. And then we started to introduce other products as the suite of solutions started to get rounded out a bit more. Uh, and it, yeah, it eventually became seven figures, like very close. It was actually a big part of our, of our acquisition story, um, too, um, where we kind of closed on that deal, like right before and like early kind of negotiations with, uh, with Medali who ended up acquiring us, uh, which was just a game over, you know, type of mic drop situation, which was a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, but leading up to that, I mean, I'll never forget this story. We, we, um, we, William Sonoma hosted a, a charity golf event every year. Uh, and it was in, I forget exactly what, some scoochy, nice country club up in Napa. And Craig calls me up and he's like, Hey John, like, think this is something you guys should be a part of and he's doing the fundraising thing that he needs to do like going around to his vendors and and talking about um talking about this and it's for a great cause no kid no kid hungry charity and uh, they had basically all their uh they had all of their suppliers uh, and the executives of those suppliers like come in and donate and play in this tournament uh, and so it was one of these things, it was like 4,000, 5,000 bucks to enter and you're, they have events on every hole and you kind of, you need to bring your wallet basically to like, and it's all for the kids and it's all for charity. But I, uh, I remember being really proud about participating in that. Um, 
And of course, I didn't really know what to expect, but I show up on the first on the driving range and it's just like a party. It's 9 a.m. and kind of drinks are flowing. But uh, Craig and I had an absolute blast. And at the end of the, the day, of course, I'm like way out of my league, way out of my league. I'm trying to like hang with the CEO of this company and that company. I'm sitting next to like Lydia Mondavi and Robert Mondavi of the Mondavi like vineyards. And um, there was an auction at the end of the at the end at the end of the day. They're auctioning off cruises and, you know, cases of wine for way too much money. And somehow Craig kind of convinces me. And I think it's a good idea because I'm sitting right next to Laura um, that I should raise my paddle for a cruise or one of these things. And I end up uh, I end up winning a Mediterranean cruise for money that I didn't have. And uh, I, of course, wasn't able to tell anybody at the time. Everybody cheered when the auctioneer is like, Stella, you know, you guys, amazing. It's for the kids. And, you know, I'm like being almost carried off out of the dinner on people's shoulders. Uh, like what in my mind, that's, of course, what happened. Uh, and meanwhile, my wife is pregnant with her first kid. I'm like, this. we're trying to grow this business. I'm broke it's like this whole thing and i just was so anxious about it i was just this is this is i can't believe i just did this but it was just a really interesting experience because looking back it mattered so much i'm not by any ways advocating that somebody gets drunk and goes and auctions <laughs> you know um goes to an auction and to impress somebody else. But like in, in a lot of ways, it just, it was such a, uh, it was such a moment, like kind of a, uh, almost like a familial moment that like bonded the, the, the Williams Sonoma crew with us. And like, we were really kind of one. And, uh, of course I figured it out and I, I didn't end up going on the cruise. Um, that's for another, another story. But, um, we, uh, we secured the renewal like shortly thereafter. And again, it wasn't because of that, but it was uh, because of the product and everything. But that was just like kind of a, a closer that one of those closing stories that just like I'll never forget. I think the, the easy takeaway for everyone is uh, you just need to be going to more auctions. You never know who you're going to meet. You might impress somebody. They might buy your product. It's for the kids, man. For the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, uh, just to kind of close out here. I think right at, it's a pretty interesting time for everybody right now. You're doing another startup. Uh, there's obviously a lot of anxiety going on across the space in general. Uh, but I think you already mentioned a little bit about where you think people need to be really focused on from like a, a business perspective. But is there anything in general where you think uh, people are getting it wrong right now? And people are focused a little bit too much on something, whether it's a methodology or a metric or um, a way of leadership that you think is a little bit misleading right now. People always talk about what metrics you're asked the question, like what metrics are you looking at? And like, what, what do you stake the, the growth of your business on? And like, at first it was all about year over year growth. And, and we were so focused on like growing the sales team and getting that number higher and higher year over year. And it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Um, and it was just like a classic founder mistake early on. But 
being obsessed about the customer and are they getting value it's the one metric that i believe is the most important metric is gross arr retention gross arr retention looks at uh, if you have a customer paying you ten thousand a hundred thousand million dollars a year whatever it is one year from now what percentage of that hundred thousand dollars did they renew and you can never go over 100% because they can't renew more in gross error retention. Net error retention, we talk a lot about. It's like you want that number to be 130, 140%. But for gross error retention, you can hide a lot of shit. You can hide a, you can hide a lot of churn in that net number. You can't do that in the gross number because it doesn't look at expansion or anything like that. Do you Are you keeping that $100 that... They paid you last year. What does that $100 look like? Is that 100% gross retention? If that's the case, like high five. Best in class is like 90, low 90s, somewhere in there. And I think the other thing that we did, we started to do really well towards the end of Stella uh, is just communicating back to the organization, uh, back to Stella, back internally uh, in a much more effective, effective way. And really eating our own dog food around feedback and uh, being relentless about asking for feedback and trying to improve what we were doing week in and week out. Um, and we were, after the whole pivot, really, paranoid's not the right word, but just, just really focused on making sure the culture of the company was aligned with the where we were taking the business and the vision for for it all uh, and so focus on communicating those wins back to the organization um, sounds just cliche and trite potentially but like being creative about how you do that to the organization so that people really feel feel the wins and are able to um, internalize them and then use those as their own stories. Because uh, it's one thing to just have like your Friday all hands, which we did, and like get up in front of the, the camera or whatever in the room and just talk about the win and why and people are like zoned out or whatever. <laughs> um, it can happen easily. How do you, how do you bring that case study back and make it real for people uh, it takes it takes a lot of effort um, and experimentation with different media there's a lot of cool interesting tools out there to do it and that just you build your own momentum that way and so i just remember that about stella um, it's like everybody believed uh, and so that's what it's all about that's what it's all about well we certainly believe that over here at Kuen. And uh, to your point, how do we go build those winning flywheels? Everyone's starting from zero at some point, whether you're an individual in the organization or whether you're a company in general. So it makes a lot of sense. And then I guess just as a last question here, we'd love to, to ask folks to just talk about one or two leaders or investors, peers that have had a major impact on your career and, and why. And so who would those kind of be for you? Yeah, Mark is a clear, clear one for us. We knew Mark, Mark Laurie, 
back before he had made a name for himself. So this was back in 2009 when Jordy and I had an idea that uh, was kind of a kind of similar to V1 Estella, but a little different. Uh, we drove out to Montclair, New Jersey, where he had diapers.com. That was where he founded it. And we went out to lunch with him and Vinny, um, his co-founder at the time. And we were pitching them and we just stayed really close uh, to Mark specifically. And he, he's, he's just, he's grown a lot in his career. And of course he's a lot of, a lot of info about how he handles himself, whether it's in interviews, which is obviously hiring is just such a critical piece of growing your organization and making sure people are making sure you're assessing people the right way. It's just, I've always found it so hard uh, is, is really hard. Uh, everything to that, to his equitable kind of pay philosophy, a lot of really interesting stuff that he's doing. So yeah, Mark is somebody we really respect. And then, uh, yeah, some other folks like on our, on our board, Eric Gould, the guy who, um, has started a, a, a couple of different businesses, but just, uh, working on a startup right now and uh, a guy that is just really passionate about uh, being an entrepreneur and being scrappy uh, and has been at the game for a long, a long time and has had some really successful exits. He, uh, he's a guy we've, we've looked up to along the way uh, as well. So yeah, countless people, countless people, too many to, to go through. Takes a village. Takes a village, yeah. Get an get an advisor, get somebody who's who's invested in in you. Honestly, get somebody who who cares about you, who likes you. Uh, it's definitely something to to take with you and really work on because it takes real work. Really appreciate the time, John, and uh, this is great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Windwire with John Ernsberger. We hope you enjoyed the episode and got a lot out of these stories. If you've enjoyed it, we'd be grateful if you could rate us and leave us a review on your chosen podcast platform. Your feedback helps us see what you like and allows us to reach more listeners, bringing these conversations to a broader audience. Feel free to reach out to us at our show email, winwirepodcast at gmail.com, with your feedback, suggestions, or any requests for future guests. To delve more into captivating stories like John's, don't forget to check out our previous episodes at thewinwire.com or on your preferred podcast player. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss any upcoming episodes featuring fascinating guests from diverse fields. Until next time, I'm Michael Katz, and you've been listening to The Windwire.